Luke chapter 18. I want to challenge us this morning a little bit in regard to um, prayer. As we reflect on this, I just want to um, challenge us in, with three different things this morning. But first of all, let me just say this. My objective is not to try and browbeat anybody or try and throw how much you, uh, a lot of guilt on anybody's conscience because they're not praying enough. That's not the objective at all. Rather, my objective is to try and stimulate us to understand from the Scriptures not only the importance but the urgency of prayer in our day-to-day lives. And because of this urgency, permit that to stimulate us to action. Action that will produce results, not necessarily hours and hours, but yes, intimate communion with God, day in and day out. So if the Spirit of God stimulates your your conscience and your thinking this morning in regard to prayer, then praise be to the Lord. I think this parable that Jesus was using as an example here this morning as we think through some things here in this passage and a couple others. I think the first thing that we, we need to challenge our thinking with is, is that of persistence. I believe that as Jesus was using this parable, as we, we understand a parable is used as, as a, a parallel story to, 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 to show the reality of our situation. Jesus used the example of this, this judge who didn't fear God or man. Really, this widow was nobody to him. But because of her persistence, Jesus said, the judge reasoned within himself, for me to be relieved of this persistent woman who will not give up, I'll do for her what she wants, what she needs. And so he did. And Jesus then used that example to say, is that not what our Heavenly Father will do and does do when we are persistent? Or desires to do, rather, when we're persistent? God will give justice to His elect, He said. Jesus said there in verse 7. He will give justice to His elect. Time and time again, when we examine the Scriptures and and see the the principles, as well as the results of the promises of God to His people, we see that He always gives justice to His elect. Sometimes it's not the way we think it should be. Even in many examples in the Scriptures we see that. I don't think Elijah was really prepared to have that, his life threatened when he had a great victory there on Mount Carmel. Nor do I think that he was thinking of running away because of the threat. But that's exactly what happened. 
And God used that example and that situation, that circumstance to show him that he needed to be confident in the protection of God in his own life. That nothing would happen to him without God permitting that. And we know that many times in our minds, but our emotions oftentimes cloud that, especially when it comes to prayer. I'm sure there's not a one of us here that have prayed for a need of someone or a circumstance, whether in the lives of other people or or in our own lives, and the outcome was differently than what we prayed for or what we prayed about. And so oftentimes the doubt comes in, is that possible that I was praying in the right way or praying for the right thing? But I don't think we need to doubt praying for the right thing but yes, praying with persistence for the will of God to be done. And I think if we examine even the Lord's Prayer, as, as it's known, in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 there, when Jesus was talking and addressing that idea of prayer with his disciples, he instructed them that they were to pray what? That the, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, time and time and time and time again. It never is wrong. It never is out of sync. It never goes astray. It's always done. And that that needs to be our persistence in prayer as well, that we desire His will always. So the persistence. And I'm reminded of this in my own life. How many times have we prayed for the salvation of, a, of an individual. And we pray once, twice, three times, sometimes for a week, sometimes for a month. And bit by bit that slips away, we forget or get sidetracked. And something happens and then we're reminded again, sometimes to our own shame. We need to be persistent, persistent, time and time and time again. How many times have we witnessed also, whether it's in a store, whether it's at at the ice cream shop, where the little child is asking mother or father for something special, or or in the grocery store for that candy, and oftentimes we'll have a temper tantrum because they want something, and they're persistent in it. They go after it, they go after it. And how many times... Are the parents, do the parents give in just to quiet or silence the child? To satisfy the child? Something that's a temporary satisfaction when in fact God wants our satisfaction to be permanent with Him. So He desires that we be persistent. Persistent. He said, He told them a parable, parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. How many times have we been discouraged because our prayers have not been, quote-unquote, answered directly, regularly, immediately, or over a short-term, short-time, uh, amount of time in that way? We need to be persistent, persistent. Together with persistence, I think also well, there's another, another P that we ought to be involved with, I think, and that's perseverance. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, 
I'm not so sure there's a great deal of difference, but I think in the Scriptures we see uh, several instances where there was perseverance, and that word was a specific word that was used. Uh, Turn over to Romans chapter 12, please, with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Romans 12, 12. As the Apostle Paul began to encourage them to give their lives as a living sacrifice, and then he, and, he, and he shared about being one body in Christ. And then chapter 9, he began to show them some of, some, some of the, the qualities, the marks of a true, a true believer. What a true believer will be like, what a true believer will practice, what he will, will, will reflect in his life. Verse 12, he says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I know some versions probably have a little bit different word they're used. But that idea there is steadfast. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, the King James used steadfast. Steadfast. Perseverance. When we think of perseverance, what do we think of? I remember when I was in high school and our high school soccer coach, in the, in the conditioning part. He would line us up at the 50 yard, at, at midfield and we would do sprints. He would have two lines. It wasn't important who won, but that you did your best and you, you, worked, you ran all the way to the end. So he would start and he would say, go. And those first two would go. He would wait until they got about halfway down there the next two in line, then he would say, go. And those first two then, when they got to the end, they would come back around to get back in line. Only as we continued on, every time he said go, got shorter and shorter. So that if we got down to the end and came back and walked back, or came back slowly, If there was not somebody in line there when he said go the next time, you know what the result would be, right? We would run again. We'd do it again. Be persistent. Go, go, go. And we would sprint and come back and sprint and come back until he was satisfied with our persistence in learning in spite of pain, in spite of tiredness, in spite of whatever it may be, Give your best. Give your all. Because when it came down to the wire, the last few seconds, the last few minutes of the game, many times, what would win out? That conditioning aspect where you were better conditioned than the other team to make that extra effort, to make that goal, to win the game. Whereas in the Christian life, we know that the persistence is not only instructed in, in, in... demanded of of God for us, but it is necessary for our development, for our growth, for our maturity. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, for the building up of the body, for the edifying of all the body of Christ. And whether we realize it or not, or whether we admit it or not, our prayers for one another are absolutely necessary for our good for our benefit 
but also for the benefit of the body of Christ. And perseverance. We know the Apostle Paul was a, a great perseverer. Colossians 4, verse 2, he said something very similar to that of Romans 12, 12. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Steadfastly. Persevering. Persevering in prayer. Not giving up when you're tired. Not giving up when you don't get the results or the, the answers that you, you think you should get. But rather persevering until God works in your life and in my life what He knows we need. Sometimes we think, well, wait a minute, that's, that's turning things around. That's the opposite of the way it should be. Well, in our thinking, that may be. When God's thinking, it's not. Because He knows what's best for us. And so when we're persistent, when we don't give up, when we don't quit, when, when we persevere, Constantly, 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 in spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of our limitations, He will give the results. He will give the blessings. He will give the fruit that He desires and knows that we need. So we need to be persistent. We need to persevere. And I believe the results, as we see so commonly and so often in the book of Acts, is what? His power being demonstrated. His power being demonstrated. Look with me in Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4. If you remember... Chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the church was born there in Jerusalem. About 3,000 souls were saved that, that day in Jerusalem. It continued to grow. Chapter 3, then, Peter and, and, and John going up to the temple, heal a lame man. And that, of course, resulted in the gospel being preached and, and, and more being saved. And so Jerusalem began, began to be uh, turned upside down. And the authorities then called these men in, Peter and John, and threatened them and beat them. Later on, Peter was prison, put in prison. So when they were threatened, what was, what was the result? Well, look there at um, verses, starting in verse uh, 29. So he said, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken. Literally was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So, in essence, we can say that God answered their prayer. 
They were threatened. They were beaten. They were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. They said, that's for you to decide. We cannot but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. And we have testified and we have, we have witnessed them with our own eyes. I say to you, there's no greater thrill than to see the spiritual eyes of a lost person enlightened by the power and light of the Word of God. There's nothing like it. And when God does a work in that life, and that life is transformed before our very eyes, that's the demonstration of the power of God at work. And many times it depends upon our relationship with our Lord and our prayer life. Sometimes we wonder, why, God, why, God, why doesn't God do more things? Why does it bring more people to himself? Why, why are not more people saved? Why are things getting worse and worse? I say to you, I have no doubt in parts because our relationship is not where it should be. And our perseverance and our persistence in prayer is not where it should be. And therefore, God is not doing some of the things that He once did through these people that were so dedicated and so determined and so persistent in prayer. In spite of threats, in spite of tribulation, in spite of other circumstances. And folks, let's not, let's not deceive ourselves. Things are not getting better. We know that. And they're not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And it's going to come to a time where our faith is going to be challenged, possibly by life or death situations, such as you deny Christ or die. We don't like to think of that. We don't even want to admit that. But in some countries in the world, that's the norm. And so don't deceive yourself thinking that, well, I'm going to ride on this easy chariot to glory my own merry way, not doing too much, not becoming too involved, and it'll be all right in the end. Because that's not going to happen. And that's not God's design for us. As we examine the scriptures, we see that the church grew the most in times of tribulation. So we ought to prepare ourselves. And one of the best ways to prepare ourselves is through a persistent, perseverant, powerful prayer life that honors God and that puts ourselves on the altar of God to be used by Him the way He designed and desires to use us. The place where they were gathered together was shaken. And I don't think it was an earthquake. It was a demonstration of the hand of God upon His leaders and His people. And the result of this is that the, the Word of God was spoken with greater boldness than it was before. Why? Because they were persistent. They persevered in prayer. And as a result of that persistence and perseverance, 
God demonstrated his power. It wasn't the men. It was the Spirit of God controlling their lives and doing what he designed to do, even as they said and even as they prayed. They obeyed. Look in verse 29 of chapter 5, Acts 5.29. They were arrested and they were placed in prison. And an angel released them and said, go and preach once again. And they did. They didn't go hide. They went and preached boldly again. And when the day came and the prison was empty, somebody came and said, those men are in the temple preaching. And they went in and brought them out, put them before these leaders once again, and said, what do you intend to do, filling Jerusalem with these lies? Verse 29 says, Peter said, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So it boils down to what, folks? Obedience. Obedience. Jesus said in that parable, he, he, he spoke that parable so that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So we know it's His plan, it's His will for us to pray. We know that. We know it's His will also for us to learn to obey in spite of the circumstances. And we know that when those things take place in our lives, that He will do something extraordinary. So now what are we going to do? What's going to be our response? Are we going to respond like the apostles? And like many others, that even after the same time, after, shortly after this, when Stephen was stoned, and it, and it came to the point that either you leave town or you're going to die, they left town, but they left town doing what? Telling all those that they came in contact with about the blessed Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that's how the church spread out the remainder of the Roman Empire at that time. And that same plan is what God wants us to be involved in now. He's told us this word, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And most of us won't be, be able to go around the, around the globe somewhere, but we can cross the street or we can go next door to our neighbor. So we need to be bold in sharing the love of Christ with someone. And I want to challenge us this morning that we begin on our knees. I don't know if I shared with this, with this with you the last time I was here, but if I did, forgive me. Most of you won't remember it anyway, probably, but I'll share anyway. Would you take a piece of paper, it could even be today's bulletin, or it could be what, just a piece of paper, and write two or three names on that piece of paper of people that you come in contact with weekly. Sometimes it may be daily, 
but probably weekly or monthly at least. People that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But people that you, you come in contact with continually. Whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a colleague, co-worker, whether it's a fellow student, whether it's a family member, a business person, whoever it may be. Write those names down on a piece of paper. Two or three names. Some may be more, but at least one name. And begin to pray for that person every single day. Not just once a day, but several times throughout the day. Put that name or those names on the refrigerator. Or put that on your mirror or, or on the dashboard of your car or, or next to your GPS or, or, or wherever you will see it throughout the day. And remember to pray for that person or those people. Cry out to God. Ask Him to show His power. To transform their lives with the power of the gospel. And see what God will do. But be persistent and persevere. Don't forget... Remind yourself, maybe ask someone to help remind you, maybe a spouse or maybe, maybe a child, uh, son or daughter, maybe, maybe a friend, whoever it may be, but ask someone to, to partner together with you to remember these people in prayer with persistence and perseverance and don't give up. It may take two or three years. That's okay. But don't give up. Jesus said, I'm telling you these things that you pray always and not lose heart. That you don't give up. I know there's not a one of us here that's never been tempted to throw in the towel. There's not a one of us. I've joked sometimes with my wife. I love sports. I love, I love basketball and I coached before we went to the mission field. And once in a while we joke back and forth. That coaching, coaching doesn't sound so bad right now, does it? But you know, it's temporary. It doesn't last. Because I know that's not what God wants me to do. So we have to get up, sometimes bury the pride, get rid of a little bit of hurt feeling sometimes, dust ourselves off, and go at it again. And not give up. That's what Jesus wants us to do in our prayer lives. And you know what? We're not responsible for the results. He's the one that will give the results. So why not trust Him and obey what He tells us and teaches us in His Word? When we do that, we're free. We're free. Because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on Him. And when we understand that, and when we live that way and practice that way, then we're free. Free to do what He wants us to do. And to be used by Him as a clean vessel in His hands. And the pressure is not on us. Rather, the obedience factor is in our hands to obey Him and move forward. So, don't forget. Take that piece of paper right now. 
Grab yourself a pen or pencil, wherever. Write down those names. Let's begin right now. And pray for those people right now. Will you join me? No, I'm not, I don't want to pressure anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to force anyone. I want to encourage and, and stimulate you. To let God use you as a vessel in His hands for His glory, to do His work in His way as He designed it. Write those names down right now. Listen as I share these verses in closing, please. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory... He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? To him be all the power and glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Write those names down. Don't forget. Encourage one another. Pray for them right now. Let's bow our heads right now. Let's pray for those names right now. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, and I can't guarantee what God's going to do, but I, I will say this. God will fulfill His, His Word. He will complete His Word, as He's promised to do. And He'll do that in your life and my life. And in the lives of these people that we pray for and and bring before Him persistently and consistently and with perseverance, crying out to God for Him to do something special in their lives. Oh, dear Father, we thank You for Your power and Your greatness. We thank you for your word that you teach us and you instruct us and and you show us and you've demonstrated through your people and through your leaders in the scriptures how you fulfill your word, how you fulfill your promises. And Lord, we know that many times we know what we're supposed to do. But we're so good at making excuses. We're so good at hiding things. We're so good at masking things that that we don't even realize it sometimes. Lord, we want to throw all that out. We we want to put that all aside and we want to depend upon you and your power. We want you to demonstrate your power. Not in buildings or not in things, Lord, but in people. And so we cry out to you this morning, Lord, for these, these different ones that have been reminisced in the mind or that have been written down, we we ask, oh, 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 Father, that you will open their hearts 
We ask that you will convict, as, as even in, in John 16, it talks about convincing, the convincing power of the Spirit of God to convict of sin and righteousness as judgment. We ask that the Spirit of God will, will use the Word of God and use, use our lives here, Lord, to, to, to convict and to demonstrate love and to demonstrate justice and, and holiness, Lord. And the need for eternal life in Jesus Christ. Oh God, we cry out to you on behalf of these people. We cry out on, on behalf of, of our need and lack of persistence and perseverance. Hence the lack of power. Oh God, we, we cry out that this year, 2013, if, if Jesus doesn't return to take us home, that our prayer lives will, will grow by great strides and great leaps and bounds so that you demonstrate your power as you have so clearly shown in your word that you do. And Father, we pray that as you demonstrate your power and as you give the results, that we will be obedient and, and ready to be used of you in greater and greater ways for your glory, for the edifying of your church, for the building up of the body, so that you might receive the glory for everything and in all things. So God, we ask that you will prepare us and that you will shape us and mold us as only you can do and as only you have designed that this happen in our lives. Help us to be moldable, shapeable in your hands, Lord, for your glory. Thank you so much for the reminder for each one of us of the need for prayer and persistence, perseverance, so that you can demonstrate your power. Help that to become a part, an integral part of our lives each and every day until Christ's return or until you take us home, Lord. Speak to our hearts, challenge us, mold us, according to your power and your word. This is my prayer, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Um, Mike, if you and Bill White would make your way to, your, to the platform, uh, everyone that has gone to Natal on those mission trips, if you would stand up so others can see.